Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about what happens to your pets in divorce. According to the American Pet Products Association's recent survey, 70% of U.S. households own a pet. That's not just dogs, it's cats, fish, birds, reptiles, horses, and other small animals. 70% doesn't surprise me. This topic is coming up more and more in my work. And yes, discussions about who gets the pet can get very heated and very complicated. Joining us today to help sort through this is attorney and mediator, Gabrielle Hartley. She's the author of Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate, and also the author of a soon-to-be-published book, The Secret of Getting Along, and It's Easier Than You Think. Welcome, Gabrielle. I'm so happy you can join us today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start if you could, and I know like laws on pet custody differ by state, so it's difficult to give a a blanket answer, but generally, what would be the legal position on pets in divorce? So this is such an interesting, important topic, and it's coming up more and more now than ever. Um, Historically, and um, please don't shoot the messenger, but pets have been viewed as a piece of furniture, a piece of property. They are not generally viewed as a living sentient being. And that is really, really hard information for many pet owners, whether or not they have children, but especially if the pets are actually akin to their children. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And I've I've run across that because like people don't see their pets as furniture. They see them like children. And I think, you know, some states have laws that treat pets that way. And I think though that the law is like often it's catching up to modern thought, but it hasn't caught up yet. Exactly. And in the last, actually in the last few months, I've had the honor and pleasure to get to know some pet specialists and two of them have actually contributed recently to the Better Apart blog, which is really interesting. A lot of the things that they bring up in their articles, I actually see bear out in court cases. So so often, a lot of the issues that they bring up as so important when it comes to considering pet custody can really be addressed so beautifully within the mediation set, setting and within a collaborative divorce setting, but not if you're in court. So that may be reason enough for some people to keep their case out of court. Because a judge just doesn't want to hear about the needs of your animal. And your animals do, in my opinion, have real needs. They're bonded with a particular parent. They might be, 
you know, need to be with the children more. Shared custody may or may not make sense of the of the dog, but you're not even going to get to the conversation about custody if you're in court in most states in the United States at the present time. Okay. So then let's talk about if if you, that is a great incentive for you and your soon-to-be ex to have a cooperative conversation about what's going to happen to the pets. And I'm thinking maybe you start off with like some pets just can't move between houses. Like absolutely like, like children. I mean, but they're not as evolved as children. It's like, it's a whole different thing. So you really have to be very in tune with your pet's needs. Who are they bonded with more? Who are they spending more time with? And you can always try shared custody. And sometimes there are bumps in the road. You know, the, the pet seems a little bit forlorn or doesn't seem to be really doing its best in the beginning, but that could also happen with a child. So you want to be responsive to your pet's needs and then see if you can make it work or not. You might think about bringing in an animal animal psychologist or behaviorist to see- I've actually had clients bring in and work with a pet clairvoyant. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) Who then uh, they've consulted, especially I've had clients where dogs, they've agreed like the dog's going to follow the same schedule as the children. But the clients that I had worked with a pet clairvoyant had cats. And so they used the clairvoyant to say, which of us does the cat want to be with? Because the cats don't move easily between homes. So that's so, to your point about kind of trying to be in tune with your pet's needs. Right. And, and I mean, the reality of it is you can only do the best that you can do. So I think that, you know, when I see couples who are arguing over their animal, I really ask them to both kind of take a step back and try to be as honest with themselves as they can be about where the dog, who the dog seems to be more attached to and thriving with more. And it's it's really difficult. There's very little guidance. This is a really new emerging area in the law. And it is a very personal issue. And, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes what winds up happening is there's negotiations over other kinds of property. You know, somebody wants the house and somebody wants the dog. And so the negotiation sometimes still complicates things. Right. So that the pet isn't necessarily a standalone issue. The pet is rarely a standalone issue. Although the pet may come up at first as a standalone issue, animals are becoming how children used to hear about how children's are just pawns of the divorce. I actually don't hear that as much anymore. It just in general pop culture but you do, I do see that pets become pawns of divorce. And I, I imagine that is, as it's become more and more mainstream to take the needs of the animal more seriously, that over time they will no longer be seen as pawns or used as pawns. But right now, it's just, I do see, I do experience working with people where it is just used maybe not so much as a pawn, but as the ultimate piece of leverage to finally close a deal. And that that's how it yeah. often will play out. So when you're talking with your clients about a pet custody issue, I'm thinking that there are, there are a whole range of topics that need to be covered. It's not just a one and done thing, but I mean, it almost 
follows kind of like a parenting plan. And you could, I'm wondering if you start with, okay, well, let's talk about decision-making. What is decision-making relative to this pet and how's that going to work? Yeah. So first of all, in the States where I practice, which is New York and Massachusetts, there is no such thing as pet custody. So unfortunately, your pet still falls under property distribution, but I do include a lot of language around just the very topics that you're talking about. So, you know, are they going to split? Usually what it comes down to is one person will take primary care of the, the animal, of the dog usually, and then rather than like visitation, it may be that when that person is traveling or if the kids really want the the dog to go with them on a particular day, the other person is sort of more like the auntie or the uncle, you know, who takes the dog from time to time. But more often than not, I do see a sharing of financial responsibility for the dog. I do think a fair number of people are very bonded to their animals and they have a sense of continued responsibility. And we are able to flesh that out. Most of the time, as I have been taught as an attorney, and as I'm hearing also from the pet experts, is that shared parenting isn't usually optimal for the dogs. But, you know, I I wonder if there was a time where they said shared parenting wasn't optimal for kids. Oh, yes, absolutely. Right? Like when I grew up in in the 70s and 80s, my parents had shared parenting and nobody did it. We were like the weirdos. Like I changed houses between my two parents every single day from like 1980 to 1988, which was like very, very weird at the time. And people were like, oh, it's so, you know, um, too many transitions and it's not stable, but it was like so stable. And like, it was not confused. I knew Monday, Wednesday, mom, Tuesday, Thursday, dad, every other week. Like, it wasn't like a thing, but for other people, it was so weird. And I believe that there's going to come a time, I can see you already, like you probably are thinking this already, right? There's going to come a time where, Pet custody, shared pet custody may also be seen as something that's more normative. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm not a pet behaviorist. Right. And so I do work with people. It does come up in mediations and they, we talk about decision-making and that decision-making is, it, well, we do a, a schedule for the pet. Like oftentimes, you know, as you said, it's going to follow the child or it's about vacation, but on decision-making, we talk through, okay, who is going to make the medical decisions, medical care decisions about the pet? And then, and usually then if it's a shared, kind of some sort of shared ownership or shared custody for the want of a better word, they're agreeing that they have joint decision-making. Right. But in the case of a tie break, typically, with a pet, I would probably have one of the people have the final decision power because it's not going to be enforceable if, you know, unlike shared custody where you can go, you can't go back to court and ask about who's <laughs> going to have final decision making over an animal, right? Like right. it's just not, most courts are not going to have jurisdiction over that at this point in time. Okay, so that's so. a good point to try and make sure that your agreement has... Clarity and... Clarity and all things, right? And like, also everybody, I'm talking, we've been talking thus far about how the animal is bonded, but also we have to think about how the humans are bonded, right? And like, I talk about this so much, but when it comes to conflict, we tend to be so positional, right? So the position, I want the dog, I want the dog. Well, why do you want the dog? Like, what's it about? right? Because it might not be about the dog at all. It might be that you're afraid the kids are not going to visit you if the dog's not at your house. It might be, 
you know, you're afraid that you're not going to feel safe without the dog, but maybe an alarm system is fine for you. Like, like if we can get behind what we're, our fears are, our anxieties are, we can resolve all things, including who gets to keep the dog. Okay. Well, that, so that's a great tip. And I think that that's probably ties into your, your book about the secret of getting along and it's easier to, easier than you think is to like delve into the why rather than just the what. That's exactly right. Right. So, so we get so sucked into fights. We get so, it's so easy to cut people out instead of cutting people in and getting behind what is it that we're, we're fighting about. So with the dog, right? Like if you right now in the present moment are listening to this and you're in the middle of a a pet conflict, consider making a list of everything concrete that you could possibly think of that the types of of, um, feelings you have around the dog and why you want your dog, right? And push yourself beyond, I love my dog so much. Like what else is the dog giving me? Like you, you need to be brutally honest with yourself. And then ask yourself to tell yourself a story about what the dog is bringing your soon to be ex, right? And like, when and really look, try and put yourself in your soon-to-be ex's Exactly, shoes. exactly. Like Rather we, than your perspective. <laughs> right, because when we can really delve into what's really going on, what our needs are rather than what our wants are, right? When we get deeper into the why behind what we want, now I'm getting like into this whole mediation, um, little mediation tips. We can resolve everything like magic. And it is easier than you think, right? Conflict resolution is so much. No, it is. It's so much easier. Like I love, like I do these crazy divorce settlement cases where people they're in trial. It's like, they're about to have a full blown war and both people will send me, the lawyers will send me the, their motions and I'll review everything. And when I read it, I think like, oh my God, that's really, that's such a good argument. And then I read the other set of motions like, oh my gosh, that is such a good argument. And I think in my head, like, I don't know how I'm going to resolve this. But then when we start talking, when the people are in the room and I start listening, really listening for what's going on emotionally, what the needs are, everything just falls into place. And it's actually like magic. That's why I love being a mediator so much, because it seems like it's going to be so hard, but it's generally so easy. And, you know, of course, it's always harder to apply it in our own lives every day. Right. But but understanding how to resolve our hardest fights bring us to a much higher level of capability to get through the toughest parts. Well, and that's a great point. And I'm going to come back to that with some more questions on pet custody. I want us to take a short break. Listeners, my guest today is attorney and author Gabrielle Hartley. Gabrielle has a soon-to-be-published book called The Secret to Getting Along, and it's easier than you think. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back, and do stay tuned for more helpful insights on pet custody. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. 
Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker, and in this episode, we're talking about pet custody and what happens to pets in divorce. My guest today is attorney and author, Gabrielle Hartley. Gabrielle, before we go back to talking about our pets, would you like to share a little bit more about your upcoming book? Sure. So I recently did a TEDx called The Secret to Getting Along, and you can see it obviously on YouTube. And I have a book that is due out this May. It's presently available in pre-order called The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think. And it addresses all issues in relationships, how to move beyond and transcend even their most entrenched arguments to reach a place where you and the people who you care about can actually get along. And over the last 25 years, I've been a divorce mediator and a divorce attorney dealing with many high conflict parties. And through that time, through those years, I've learned that it's actually a lot easier than you think once you are able to address certain habits that we all have in stirring up a lot of unnecessary conflict for ourselves and those around us. Awesome. Thank you. Let's go back to some questions about pet custody. And um, we were talking earlier about, you know, if if you can make this agreement with your soon-to-be ex on continuing to share your pet, and we talked about having some clarity around decision-making and especially around medical care for the pet, what are the sort of things that you discuss with your clients on pet expenses, like food? I've had some clients say, well, the pet has special diet and costs a lot of money. And then kenneling and and the medical expenses. What are some so like, ways that you approach that? So I'll say, you know, what it really comes down to is what is the breed of your pet? What is your relationship like? You know, if if you have a pet that's easygoing and you and your spouse have a fairly easy relationship with each other, then we'll get to that conversation. We're not even going to get there most of the time because there are, are too many other heated issues. But in the case where we're talking about the expenses, it really depends. It's it's case by case. If we have a couple where somebody is the breadwinner and they're not keeping the dog, they still may pay for more of the dog. They may be the type of person where they want to feel like they're caring for their family and the dog being part of the family. And they may not. It's really, unfortunately, when it comes to a divorce, you cannot force anyone to take an animal or pay for an animal. And sometimes, I'm afraid to even say this aloud on this podcast, but there are circumstances where pets are rehomed during a divorce because neither party really wants the responsibility. So it's, it's it's a hard topic. It's one that deserves attention and care. And if this is something of interest to your listeners, to any of you who are listening, I would say that there are today advocacy groups that you can become more involved with where you can work toward advocating for pets because pets, like children, but even more so, they can't talk. They cannot advocate for themselves. They're like babies. And so they need you to advocate for them. And if you're in mediation right now and you have a mediator who's sort of poo-pooing the topic and saying, oh, it's I, I'm not going to do the pet. You guys decide who gets to keep them. It's like a, a couch. No, it's your job to advocate for your animal. That is your job. 
in the mediation. And if your mediator is not taking it seriously and it is important to you, then you need to have a serious conversation with the mediator or find somebody who understands because the the whole point of mediation beyond, oh, it's faster and you save money and aggravation, it's also that you can create really unbelievably nuanced agreements that will serve you and your family better. And they they can look very, very different from what a court would decide if you were in a contested hearing. Absolutely, absolutely. And what a court would decide, even if it's a, like a low contest, you know, it's just like, let's say you went and you said, well, I agree to everything except for the dog, you know, and the judge is not going to do anything with that dog other than figure out their financial value. Right. It's so sad. So mentioning your financial value there, perhaps I'm, I might be naive, but I I've run into this more on horses that have more of a financial value than a dog or a cat or typical fish or something. Um, But the horses that might be actually taken into consideration in the allocation of assets because the horse could be sold for a a substantial amount of money. That is not the case with the dog. The dog gets rehomed. Right. But then it's kind of a little bit of a twist there, like sort of, Thinking about this, um, you know, what is the what is the animal that we're talking about? Yeah, it's really interesting. But I, you know, working mostly in New York City and then also in Massachusetts, I, I don't have many horse cases. <laughs> that's, I'm in Colorado, so I've actually worked on a few. That, that's really few funny. Cases where they do have horses. That's so. really funny. No, I have a lot of dog cases, but not very many horse cases. So you know, I would say more often than not, one person does keep the dog. Oftentimes there is a shared allocation of expenses or they'll agree to medical expenses up to a certain threshold ceiling after which they'll discuss it. You know, I haven't had cat custody cases, actually. I don't know. Do people like their dogs more than their cats? Well, I think that cats tend to, my experience with the cats is because they have difficulty moving between locations, it becomes more of a case of the cat stays with one person or the other. And so there's there's less to negotiate there. Uh-huh. I will say that um, in that situation where one person is keeping the animal, I'm thinking, it, you know, it, it could be a reptile or a cat. Then right. they might be the other, or they keep the dog because the other person is moving to an apartment that doesn't allow dogs. Well, and actually, that's a really interesting point that you're bringing up. I, I have actually a, a very active case right now where it's clear that one of the people is more bonded with the dog, but that person is leaving the home and they cannot keep the dog. So there's an agreement that the other person is going to keep the dog, but th- there's a lot of discussion about you know, what to do if the dog is suffering because the parent who is more appropriate for the dog. It, is moving somewhere for a short time, hopefully, where there's no animals allowed. So, And then are you talking about that parent's ability to visit the dog and take the dog for walks? And what are some of Yeah, I mean, all of that, it's not going to be written in the agreement because there is no custody in where I'm writing it. But the, the parties get along quite well, and they are talking about that. And I'm not anticipating that there's going to be any arguments at all about that because the person keeping the dog isn't necessarily the dog lover, unfortunately. So, then, so even though you don't put it in the agreement that's filed with the court, the parties could have a written agreement between the Absolutely. Files. 
Absolutely. You know, and I'm thinking like some of the things that you might think about when they say that they want to come and visit you is visit the dog in your home is, are you there when they're visiting? Do they have access to the home? Do you have concerns about them having access to your home? And those sort of things, because usually people don't give access to their former spouse after divorce. Yeah, but I think in those cases, it would be more an issue of there'd be a pass off between the parties. So, you know, if if the former spouse were doing you a favor because you were traveling or something like that, that might be a different scenario. But, you know, I think the most important thing is to really take a step back, think about your dog, think or your animal, you know, in this case, like I said, I deal a lot with dogs. Think about what your dog needs. Think also, you know, sometimes the pet is most bonded with a teenage child. If you yes. get the dog when the child is, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, when they're really starting to be able to take care of the pet, that's a case where if the child is changing homes, it may make sense. I didn't mean to say like, oh, dogs can't change homes. But if a child is changing homes and you live really close by, if it's practical to have the dog move back and forth with the child, by all means, do that. But again, when you're getting divorced, you're dealing with so much, always take a step back and think about what is going to make you feel the most calm? What is going to soothe your central nervous system the most? And while at first blush, you might be thinking having my dog is the only thing that will calm me down. If it's really a battle, maybe it's not the battle worth having. Maybe there's another road forward. Sometimes the path in front of us is like not visible right at first. Sometimes we have to maybe even distract yourself with something else. Um, Like, did you ever have like a relative or loved one who had like dementia? You know, they can sort of hyper-focus on something like a small child also. And then you can distract them. You know, I, I need that blouse. I need that blouse. I need that blouse. Look at this pretty flower. And then they look at the flower and then they can come off the topic of the blouse. Um, I know I was going somewhere with that analogy. Um, (laughs) I think you were talking about like being open-minded about the pet not getting locked into a position and taking a pause and thinking about why am I being so insistent? Maybe why am I being so insistent about it? What's really going on here? Yes, because when we get to what's really going on, you know, Do you ever hear that expression, you're only as sick as your secrets? (laughs) I don't know that one. Oh, it's the best. Because when we're honest with ourselves, everything, sometimes we don't like what we hear in our own minds. Yes. Everything is more clear. And when things are more clear, the flow comes more easily. Okay. Knowing what your secrets are is the first step. So maybe that's a little bit of a tangent off the dogs, but I think it's relevant in, in so far as, you know, really thinking about the why. Why do you need to have the dog? And is there another way that you can satisfy that need? And it may not be a zero-sum game. You might be able to get some pet visitation like you had. Right, right. So yes, interesting that we're kind of talking about our pets with the words that we use for children. So maybe we'll have pet support soon too. Oh gosh. Child support. So Gabrielle, we're almost out on time. I, I know I'm springing on this. I, I'm springing this on you. I, I wondered if you had kind of a lighthearted anecdote about or something else about pet custody you'd like to share or maybe a, a case that was particularly memorable for you. 
and the outcome of that? Oh, that's a really hard question, Mandy. But what I would say is that if pet custody is something that's coming up for you in your divorce, the most important thing for you to do is to take a step back and think about why you need your pet and what else you may be able to do to satisfy that need for yourself. And if you feel like you're really dogmatically attached to having your pet and you, you, for, and dogmatically makes it sound like it's a bad thing, but like you just need to have your pet because you know the pet is bonded to you and you're bonded to the pet. Think about what your soon to be ex needs that you don't really care about because there is something there. There is always because something. You can there. offer something in exchange. You can offer something in exchange. And it may be something that's weirdly of high value to them, but you have to put yourself in their shoes in order to know what that is. So that's like really my number one tip. What can you give them to get what you need? So that's your strategic mediation tactics. But I'm also chuckling to myself over, you said, don't be dogmatic. And it just like, we're talking about dog. Okay, so good choice of word there. So, so I'm thinking, yeah, so I don't know if I have a particularly memorable, because we don't really have too much pet custody, right? So, um, but, but I will say that how you negotiate your dog is important because your relationship with your ex matters, even if you don't have children, right. your own narrative for your own legacy of who you are, right? And how yes. you manage yourself when conflictual situations come right. up. So I hope you'll check out also um, The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think, Mandy. And um, I'll, I'll get an arc over to you if I haven't done that already. Right. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. So listeners, do look at the show notes. You'll find all of Gabrielle's information there. My guest today was attorney Gabrielle Hartley. She's the creator of the Better Apart blog. She's the author of Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate and author of the soon-to-be-published book, The Secret to Getting Along, and It's Easier Than You Think. And you can tell from all of our discussion today that Gabrielle has some really good, good tips there on how to get through this process of ending your marriage. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned. <laughs>